Welcome to church. This Sunday, Pastor Doug will be continuing our series, Ancient Texts for Modern Times, where he'll be sharing about God's promise and not being fearful no matter what surrounds us. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. Good morning and welcome to church. Who knew this was such an exciting place to be? It's awesome. We have uh, a bunch of guests this morning that were here for the baptisms. We're thrilled to see uh, people who are visiting with us today. And this is really what life is about, a community of people that, uh, a family that are growing together and doing life together. And whether it's at church here or it's in a small group this is, this is really what, what life is all about. And greetings to those joining us online. Maybe you're at home this morning or maybe you're on vacation somewhere and you've, and you've tuned in today. So I hope you're all uh, enjoying your summer and you've had some time for relaxation. I know this last week was especially exciting for me as the, uh, the Olympics were going on, but it usually means a lot less sleep for me, especially when the Olympics are on the other side of the world, and the stuff that's happening there in the evening is happening here at 4 and 5 and 6 in the morning. Um, and yes, I could tape it, but then the, the, the drama of the moment is past, or, or someone eventually spoils an outcome and, and tells you something during the day. So, um, And Canada set a new record for the most summer Olympic medals ever. Isn't that awesome? And, and ladies, three quarters of the Canadian medals were from Canadian women. Isn't that awesome? Way to go, women. So it's so amazing to have had 20 changed lives this year. And those, those two baptisms this morning, those were just great. But it's so awesome to see the Holy Spirit at work. It's so awesome to see God at work. And you know what? Really, it's very simple to share the love of Christ to other people. And I want to thank you for your boldness. And about two weeks ago, uh, my neighbor's son uh, and wife had a little baby boy. So grandma lives next door, and her son had always dreamt of having uh, his own little uh, baby boy. And, and so they did. And so my wife and I picked out some some nice outfits for them to congratulate them and bless them, and we took them over to our neighbor's house, and I felt to be even bolder, and I asked if we could pray for their new little son, their new little baby, and of course, they have no sort of background in Christianity or religion, and, but they were, they were very uh, glad that, that I'd be willing to do so, and I actually shared with them that their son's name was from the Bible, and it was a Hebrew name that meant, who is like God? And of course, they were like, wow, we had no idea. But it led to a fantastic opportunity to pray a blessing over their newborn son and over their family, which they appreciated so much. And, and I, don't, I don't tell you that story to, to brag on myself at all, because I'm usually hesitant and nervous about doing stuff like that. But I want to lead by example in how we can show hope and love to, to those all around us. And this morning we're continuing our series in the Psalms entitled Ancient Text for Modern Times. Ancient Text for Modern Times. 
And every single book of the Bible, uh, it deepens our relationship with God. But, but the Psalms are unique in how they enrich our experience, our, our physical, our emotional, our spiritual experience with that relationship with God. And they're powerful uh, explorations of our emotions as the authors constantly pour out their feelings to God. And every, every single human emotion has its echo in the Psalms. And it needs to be noted that, that there can be nothing healthier than taking our fears and taking our anxiety and our failures and our frustrations and our anger and our hurts and emptying them out to God, pouring them out to God. God is really our safe space where we can be honest with Him and we don't have to hold back. The Psalms are like calorie-free comfort foods for our souls and our spirits. And John Calvin said the Psalms are like a mirror that reflects every feeling and every part of the human soul. And this morning I'll be covering Psalms 91, and it's uh, specifically in the title of my message is God's Promise of Protection. You know, Psalms 91, they figure, is the second most memorized psalm after Psalm 23. And my wife even had our children learn it and memorize it at a young age. And they would pray it with her every morning before they headed off for school. And it's also a psalm of safety and deliverance. It's all about God's covenant of protection with His people. It's also known as the soldier's psalm because many soldiers, many parents or spouses of soldiers pray it over their loved ones as they face the dangers of war. It can also be referred to as the protection from the plague psalm because it mentions pestilence and disease and plague several times. But before we dive into it this morning, before we get started with it, I want to present the very urgent and the very dire necessity for this incredible psalm. And if I could only choose one part of the Bible to have with me, either on a desert island or during the most dangerous and perilous times, it would likely be this part of Scripture. Because we do live in a broken and a fallen world. And it's ravaged by sin. It's engaged in war, both natural wars and, and spiritual wars. And daily, each one of us, we see the effects and even us as believers trusting in God, sometimes we are collateral damage to that war that's going on because we have an enemy that hates us and he wants to destroy us and he walks around like a roaring lion, like a fierce predator, seeing who he can devour, seeing whose life he can destroy. And of course, me included, I'd be the first to say I'm far from perfect. And the decisions that I make and the choices that I make and that we all make, 
they also result in consequences that cause us to face trouble and cause us to face danger. And God never, never promises us a world free from trouble, free from danger. And if you have the opportunity, please listen to Pastor OJ's message from July 25th entitled, When Trouble Comes. It'll be a huge encouragement to you when you face trouble or difficult circumstances. And this morning's message is going to be along very similar lines. While we will, we will face trouble and danger, even Jesus said we would, God has promised us help and protection in the middle of it. And today, like never before in the history, in modern history, has there been a time when the fear and threat of disease so occupies our thinking. Story after tragic story, radio and TV daily screaming at us the latest death tolls and social media unendingly bombarding us with frightening statistics. In other words, these days that we live in today, we have plenty of reason to fear. And we desperately find ourselves trying to find security, trying to find a place to hide, trying to make sure we are safe. After all, when we constantly see people in pain and suffering and hardship around us and and people dying, we begin to convince ourselves that that very likely could happen to me. It could very likely happen to us. And this constant barrage and feeling of threat results in overwhelming, paralyzing anxiety. And it has a damaging effect on our mental health. Nearly one in four people will experience a form of anxiety disorder in their lives and will suffer the side effects of crippling fear, including nightmares and night terrors, panic, dread, and apprehension, debilitating anxiety, loss of peace, weakening of immune systems, destructive habits, loss of ability to think clearly and logically, failing to become the people that God wants us to become, and total loss of motivation. There was a time on my previous job when I had let fear creep in and become a stronghold in my life so badly that all I wanted to do was sleep. It was only as I slept that I could escape the fear that I had allowed to grip my heart and my mind. And you see, fear is like Satan's nuclear weapon. Nothing drives us to change our behavior like fear, and he knows this. Fear attacks the foundation of our relationship with God and causes our heart to decay. And very scarily, fear also attracts the demonic in the same way as bitterness and hate do. In one of the Bible's most famous stories, we have a giant named Goliath shouting at 
and challenging the Israelites day after day after day. For 40 days in a row, he did so. And it had a crippling effect of fear on King Saul and the army of Israel. Various translations put it this way. 1 Samuel 17.11 says, They were distressed and greatly afraid. They were so frightened they couldn't do a thing. They lost their courage and they were terrified. They were gripped with fear. They were filled with terror and lost all hope. All of these effects were because of the constant bombardment of fear they heard day after day after day. You see, from a biological perspective, fear starts in the brain and the area of the brain known as the amygdala, which scientists refer to as the primitive part of the brain. And if you do not deal with fear and you are constantly fearful, it literally stays in that region of your brain and paralyzes you and you are not able to access the rational thinking part of your brain. And therefore, it's very unlikely you are able to use critical thinking skills. Fear prevents us from thinking clearly. Isn't it therefore absolutely fascinating that Paul addresses this when he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Sound mind, the word sound is is the word sozo in Greek, meaning salvation, deliverance, protection. And phreneo means mind. Combined, the idea is a mind that is saved and protected and sound, that is solid and able to think, as opposed to a mind that is given to fear, given to panic, irrational and unclear thinking. A mind that is stuck in fear will keep us paralyzed. But a mind that is founded on faith and the promises of God's Word will allow us to move forward. I'm reminded of a scene in The Lord of the Rings where Frodo finds himself caught in the web of his enemy, a giant spider. And he is stung and then tightly wrapped and bound into this cocoon where he is paralyzed and can't move or can't escape. And eventually he will have the life sucked out of him. How many of us have felt that way this last year and a half? We have felt bound and paralyzed or suffocated by fear and desperately need a way out. And the enemy has just been waiting to suck the hope and the life from us. But if anyone, if anyone should be able to stand against the enemy's onslaught of fear, it's those who have their hope and deliverance in a God who is all-loving and all-powerful. The world around us should look at us and ask why we are not terrified. 
They should see us and wonder why we are not stuck in fear. And the great news this morning is that we have the understanding that will set us free. We have God's undying love and care for us, and we have God's promises of protection. Let's begin looking at these in Psalms 91. And though it's not clear who wrote the psalm, there are clues that make David the most probable author. So verse 1 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The King James says, Who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place means a place of intimacy, a place where it's just you and God in a close relationship. A hidden, private place where no one else is, where the distractions are removed and you are pouring out your heart, pouring out your fears, pouring out your feelings to God. Jesus often went by himself out into the desert, out into the wilderness. That was his secret place to spend time with his father, especially when he felt weak and especially when he felt under attack. Jesus himself says in Matthew 6, he says, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to the father who is in the secret place. Our Father, the one who loves us and wants a relationship with us, is waiting in that secret private place for you and for me. And to dwell there means we are daily living there, daily finding Him there, not just occasionally visiting, but daily in close relationship with Him. We are at home in His presence when we dwell there. And when we do, we will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Earlier this summer, when we were experiencing the plus 35, 36, the crazy hot temperatures, and we didn't necessarily have that blanket of smoke to give us a little bit of a buffer, I had some yard work and some lawn repair that I had to do. And I was working on the west side of our two-story house. So I would try and start early in the morning so that the shadow was on my front lawn and I could work under the shadow. Because once the shadow was gone, the heat and the intensity were too much to bear. In God's shadow, we find rest and shelter and peace. But it is a conditional promise. It's a promise that is a result of us having a close, intimate relationship with Him, of spending time with Him. Verse number 2 says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust Him. This is an action verse. David is willing himself to do something, willing himself to take action. He's not focused on his problem, but he's focused on his solution. 
And how important is that that we are speaking and praying God's promises? It doesn't say here in this verse that David thought of the Lord and David thought of, of these great things. It says David declared, he spoke out loud these things. In 1 Samuel, we see David in a very difficult position. He's hiding in a cave as Saul and Saul's armies are trying to catch David and they're trying to kill uh, David. Sorry, back up. In 1 Samuel, we see David in a very difficult position where his enemies have attacked and things have gone so badly that even his people talk of stoning him. They talk of stoning their king. So what did David do? It says in 1 Psalm 30, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I've shared this story before, but I clearly remember about eight years ago when I was the project manager on this this large $30 million project in Fort Saskatchewan. But, But I needed to go to a conference in Toronto for a week. And while I was there, the emails came in bizarrely accusing me of stealing thousands of meters of huge pipe and selling it to the nearby Hutterite community. I was being threatened with arrest and jail and the fear and anxiety of this false accusation and the stress was so overwhelming that all I could do on my breaks and during my lunch hour was go to my hotel room and read and pray the Psalms out loud. I would walk back and forth in my hotel room saying, God, you are my refuge. God, you are my fortress. God, you are my deliverer. God, in you I will trust. And speaking God's word, declaring God's promises over this situation, calmed my soul and my spirit and brought peace. Verse 3 says, He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. The King James, instead of every trap, says, From the snare of the fowler, which is very significant. The snare of the fowler in those days were traps that were set for birds, so the birds could be captured and then they could be sold. In Jeremiah, wicked men are described as fowlers. However, innocent people rather than birds are their prey. Jeremiah says, For wicked men are found among my people. They lurk like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. The message paraphrase says, They set traps for the unsuspecting. Their victims are innocent men and women. As we mentioned earlier, We have an enemy, Satan, who desires to destroy us, and he'll often set traps for us to stumble and fall. But God promises us that even though we may find ourselves in a trap, maybe falsely accused like I had been, or maybe it's been a bad decision or poor choice on our part, God has promised he will deliver us. And sometimes God's grace will even lessen or cancel the consequence we deserve when the trap we fall in may be of our own doing. 
David rejoices in Psalms 124 that even though his enemies have tried to destroy him and set traps for him, he says, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. There may be some of you this morning that are here or watching online and maybe you've been falsely accused of something. Maybe you're even in a court situation or or whatever the case, maybe you find yourself in a trap. We're going to pray that God breaks you free from that trap later on at the end. Verse 3 says, He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. God has promised us that He would protect us from deadly disease. And as I read the headlines and articles this last week, the the major medical agencies and medical community were highly concerned because this solution wasn't working as well as planned and that solution wasn't working like they thought. And it's true, the medical system is not our final solution. It's not our ultimate answer. The government is not our savior. If all of our trust and dependence is on them instead of God, they will let us down. They will fail us. Only God is our true protector. Now, a very important note here. That certainly doesn't mean we're careless or we're foolish and we live irresponsibly. And I know I'm extremely thankful for doctors and nurses and the medical system as well as for the government But ultimately, only God can be truly relied on as our protector and healer. Luke 8 says, In the crowd that day there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhage. She'd spent every penny she had on doctors, but not one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. And at that very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. When everything else failed her, one touch of Jesus and she was completely healed. Verse number four says, He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. Both chickens and partridges and other birds are known to spread their wings to let their chicks run underneath for safety. There are even stories of mother birds sacrificing their own lives to protect their chicks under their wings as a forest fire moved over them. What a beautiful picture of God's love and protection for us. Psalm 57.1 finds David hiding in the caves as Saul and his army are searching for David to kill him. And David says, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes. Verse number 4 says, His faithful promises are your armor and protection. We are in a spiritual battle and God's promises are our armor and protection. 
I strongly recommend it if you missed it that you go back and check out our fall series from 2020 called Unseen Things on the Armor of God. It is one of the most important series and relevant series we have ever done. Verse number five says, Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. We are commanded here, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid at night. Do not be afraid at, during the day. Do not give fear any place in your life. I want to be very clear about something this morning. Fear is not from God. And you cannot have both fear and faith in your heart. One will win out over the other. And for some people this year, the fear has been so great that maybe them or their children or grandchildren have ongoing nightmares or night terrors or there's been a major demonic or spiritual attack against you and it's causing these and it needs to be broken. At the end, we'll be also praying for those people who experience these things too. Ephesians 6 says, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 6, Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Once again, we see that we're not to fear during the night. We're not to fear during the day. We're not to fear disease or disasters. The phrase, stalks in darkness, indicates a very malevolent, a very evil intention to the disease, like a plague. I think it's fair to say that we see a very evil plague in the world around us today. However, we're not to fear when the enemy tries to attack us with sickness or plague because Jesus is our healer. There's a dramatic story in Luke 13 where Jesus heals a woman on, on the Sabbath who had been crippled for 18 years. And the religious leaders freak out. And Jesus says, The woman that I healed is a true descendant of Abraham. But Satan has held her for 18 years. Surely it's not wrong for her to be made free from her sickness on a Sabbath day. Jesus broke the enemy's hold of sickness on her and completely healed her. Verse 7 says, Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. These verses are referring to God's judgment on the wicked, and we don't need to fear it because it's not intended for us. Open your eyes can be translated only with your eyes, meaning we will only be spectators and not harmed by this judgment. Even as God has promised deliverance for His people, He has also promised judgment for the wicked. Verse number 9 says, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, 
No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Again, we see a very conditional promise that is really summarizing the first eight verses. If God is our refuge, if He is our shelter, and we dwell in that secret place where we have that close relationship with Him, then no evil will conquer us. No plague will come near our home. One caution, one caution really, is that sometimes we read verses like this and conclude that we will be protected from any type of harm or trouble. It doesn't say that here. It doesn't say we won't experience evil. Rather, it says that it won't conquer us. Again, we live in a broken and fallen world. And Jesus even promised us that we would have trials and tribulation in this world. But more importantly, he promised us that he has overcome that trouble on our behalf. John 16 says, In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Wow, what a promise. I don't think I'll be praying that every morning. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world and I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Amen? Amen. God has promised us that no matter what happens to us, He's ultimately in control and He loves and cares for us, and He will never leave us or abandon us. God has also promised us that everything that we go through, good or bad, God will use it and turn it around for good. Jesus taught us to pray like this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For He is with me. He also taught us to pray, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And how does He do this? Well, verse 11 says, For He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Here we see why we'll be delivered from evil because he orders his angels to protect us. I can state firsthand that probably five or, on five or six occasions I could have, should have been killed from incidents and accidents that happened to me. I'm pretty sure my guardian angel has had several raises and promotions based on how busy he's been looking after me. We also see many examples of this in the Bible. In the book of Daniel, we see an angel in the fiery furnace protecting the three Hebrew children. Daniel himself tells us that God sent an angel to close the lion's mouth when he's evilly been thrown there to be eaten. Elisha, when he's about to be captured by an army, sees angels in chariots of fire all around him protecting him. 
And then an angel shows up when Peter is chained up in jail and frees him to continue preaching the gospel. Psalms 34.7 says, His angels guard those who honor the Lord and rescues them from danger. Verse 13 says, You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. David, of course, as a young boy, was able to kill a lion and a, and a bear who tried to attack his sheep. And while this is a general promise of protection from a variety of dangers, including those in nature, do not attempt this at home. Please, stay away from the poisonous snakes and the cobras. The worship team can go ahead and come on back up. So verses 1 to 13 had the author declaring all the goodness and promises of God. He's clearly shown us the advantages and blessings of living in a close relationship with God, living in that secret place. Now we have a change of voice in verse 14, and it's so powerful as God himself is responding to what the psalmist has declared so far. God completely affirms what he has said. Verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. I will rescue them. I'll deliver them. I'll cause them to escape. I will protect them. I'll set them on a high place away from the danger. I will answer them. I will respond to them. I will speak to them. I will be with them in trouble, in afflictions and in distress. I will deliver them. I'll rescue them and bring them to a place of safety. And I will honor them. I'll bless them. I'll cause them to have influence. With long life will I satisfy them so that they can have abundance on the journey. And I'll show them my salvation. I'll let them see my deliverance and my victory. We will experience fear in this life. And we may have experienced fear for the last year and a half, or maybe you've experienced fear your entire life. David, as much as anyone else, often felt overwhelmed by fear. It even caused him to not think clearly and to make bad decisions. But eventually he would get his heart right. He would hold on to God's promises of protection and not let go. The challenge today is not that we experience fear, but it's what we do when we experience it that matters. David would feel fear. David would pour out his emotions of fear to God. Then David would remind himself of God's mighty promises of protection and deliverance. And David would refuse to let fear become a stronghold in his life because God promised to be with him. Psalms 56 says, 
But when I am afraid, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise you for what you have promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Fear is the opposite of faith. You cannot be trusting God and be in the grip of anxiety at the same time. In just a minute, we're going to pray for those who feel they've been trapped by fear. Maybe you've barely left your house in the last year and you're watching this morning and, and you felt like a prisoner for this last year and a half because of fear. It's time to trust God. It's time to trust His promises of protection. But before we pray about that, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you've never known what it's like to have the assurance and confidence that someone has your back. That the God of the universe loves and cares about you specifically. You don't know what it's like to live without fear, without anxiety. This morning, you can take that step. If you're willing and you're ready, I want you to pray along with me. Everyone stand with me this morning, please. And I want everyone here, I want you to say the words out loud. You don't have to yell them. You can just whisper them. But I want everybody this morning to repeat after me. Bow your heads with me. God, this morning I choose to believe you sent Jesus to die for me, for my sins and failures and all my fears. I'm sorry for not knowing or trusting you. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Give me a brand new start. Thank you that I am no longer alone. You have promised to be with me. Amen. Wow, that may have been the first time you've ever made that decision or you've taken that huge step forward. And it's an eternal decision to have God on your side, to have God have your back to have a clean slate this morning. If you made that for the first time this morning, or if you have more questions, or, or you want prayer, or whatever, you can text LIFE to the number that they'll put up on the screen, or you can comment in the social media chat this morning, or you can talk with us in person after the service. Now I want to pray with those who feel bound and trapped by fear. So I'm going to pray over all of us this morning, over all of us watching this morning. But then at the end, while we close with our last song or after the last song, if you feel you want even more prayer for a stronghold of fear or something else in your life, I want you to come to the front and we will pray for you this morning. You do not have to be stuck in fear any longer. By the power of the name of Jesus and by his blood, fear and anxiety will end today. Amen?
So, Father, Father, we come to you this morning, God, realizing that your promises of protection are real and they are powerful and they are true. And God, you have not destined us for a, a, a life of fear. You have not destined fear to have a stronghold in our lives so we can't even think clearly, Father God. Father, and there are those this morning maybe who are involved in court cases or maybe have been falsely accused, Father. They found themselves trapped in the snare of the fowler, maybe decisions they've made. Father, I thank you that you set them free this morning in the name of Jesus, that they are set free. And Father, the God of justice, the God of righteousness fights on their behalf, is their defender, Father. You rescue them from the trap of the fowler. Father, for those who may be experiencing nightmares or night terrors, Father, we pray that those are broken today in the name of Jesus, that the grip of that fear and that anxiety is broken this day in Jesus' name. Father, and for those who feel that they've been attacked by sickness, that the enemy has attacked them with sickness, Father, I thank you that you are their healer, Father, and one touch from Jesus can heal them and set them free this day in the name of Jesus. And Father, finally, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, Father, that clouds our minds, but you have given us sound minds, minds that are saved and that focus on your promises, that focus on how great and how mighty and how loving you are. And we just declare this freedom from fear this day in the name of Jesus, that people are set free this day. We receive it this day in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.